And welcome to Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World. I'm Richard Dugan, your host, and it is always a pleasure to come your way, bringing you new paradigms for a new world as we give you choices and knowledge of those choices to help make your dreams come true. I will uh, dispense uh, for the moment with the other particulars about the program, the podcast, the video cast, and so forth, because I want to jump right into uh, the conversation with our very special guest today. He is the director of the Original National Program of the Fountain. It is a care, a, uh, a caretaker also of the philosophy and traditions of the Otomi Toltec peoples, as well as the Otomi Toltec ritual ceremony officer. We'll go through some more of the uh, information here as well. Um, Mediha Bastida is my guest. I want to thank you so much for joining us here on the program. You have a very interesting, uh, very interesting perspective to share with us about a book you've written called Ancestors. Yes, thank you for having me, uh, Richard. Uh, it's a great honor to be with you and your audience. Thank you so much. If I may ask, uh, where, what part of the world are you in? Because uh, I know you travel a lot. <laughs> Yes, uh, currently I'm in New York. I just came back from Mexico. And uh, this weekend I'm going to go to the Azores, Portugal, uh, for a week. And then uh, I'm going to go to Greenland uh, for another week to carry out sacred site work. Now, this aspect of sacred sites and uh, culture and ritual and so forth, I have been a, um, a lover of ritual and ceremony and tradition and so forth. Uh, born and raised a Catholic, uh, I really thought there was really something significant about the different rituals, <clears throat> whether they be the, uh, the points of um, uh, the milestones, if you will, within the church. And of course, you had initially, of course, you had your baptism, uh, maybe your confirmation, first communion, uh, first confet, those kinds of things, and those were ceremonial in 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 a in a certain sense. Uh, then you had the different rituals in the mass, and so forth. So um, when we're talking about the the sacred sites and rituals and culture and so forth, we're going back what hundreds, thousands of years. Yes. Uh... For the beginning, uh, uh, humans in this world uh, is one of the last species to be to appear. Uh, others have evolved from different other other species, but also it seems that humans were here as as much as we know, uh, thousands and thousands, uh, may, maybe millions of years ago. The presence of humans have been together with other species and other plants and animals. But we understand that we are just another species. And, uh, and that's when uh, we also understand that there's this interconnection, this interrelationship with other beings. So ceremony is part of uh, inner part of uh, our presence in this world. Because we, when we uh, think about why we are here, how mystery is that we came to this beautiful planet. There must be a purpose. And uh, in, uh, in reciprocity about that, or what gives us life, ceremony is key. 
because ceremony is uh, to acknowledge that uh, we are here in the concert of life and how we are being thankful for what we receive. So meaning that uh, we are the synthesis of the sacred elements. Of course, in other traditions, in other religions, in other spiritual practices, we also, uh, that we also respect. And, uh, but the, the fact is that other kind of rituals also acknowledge that mystery, that we are not alone, we are connected with the spirit, and the, that the matter that we have also has connection with other spirits. So in this case, as uh, human beings, we are not the only ones who got spirit. The mountains for us, the mountains, the rivers, the sea, the creeks, the springs, they also got spirit. So that's the energy that we are uh, in some way interconnected in a mysterious way. Mm. So that's why we honor life and we honor that sacred relationship with nature and even with the celestial bodies, because the Mother Earth is not alone. She got family, you know, Father Son, Grandma Moon, and other celestial bodies that uh, also affect us and give us uh, this life and give us this uh, way of being in this world. Well, it, it, it is, for me, very interesting, uh, as uh, and when you, especially when you talk, talk about the the uh, uh, the connection, especially with um, the universe, in particular, and whenever I talk to people, uh, uh, whether we're talking, say, astrology or so forth, I say, "Well, uh, what do you think the moon is doing?" You know, I mean, come on, I mean, it it affects not just the tides, uh, but it's yeah. also part of the cyclical process uh, for, for, for uh, specifically. Um, for for women in particular, and in terms of cycles, that type of thing. Yes, I hesitate to go down this particular path, but I'm going to anyway because I think it's important. Uh, we've we've started to delve into this other area that we have talked about on this program uh, for the last um, I'm going to say the last year or two, and it's an area that I never really thought of getting into. Uh, and by the way, we celebrated our uh, 15th anniversary of this program just a few days back. And I, I didn't want to go there because I thought, ah, this is just, it's too far out there. I, I don't think people are really going to buy this. But we're beginning to find more and more information that you, and you made the statement, we are not alone. But from the standpoint of the material world, we are not alone in the universe. Uh, that we're not the only beings living our lives on this specific planet. That there are mm -hmm. others who are living lives elsewhere. And, you know, again, the, the, the whole issue of you know, space travel and, you know, this, this conversation. Is there a connection with what you teach in terms of ancestors that basically emphatically states absolutely correct we're not indigenous to the earth we were as a species we were kind of 
put here by whoever and that there mm-hmm. are there are I don't know rituals ceremonies sacredness in that respect that we have brought with us it's sort of maybe in our DNA kind of thing can you can you talk to that at all yes I'm just uh, I want to be cautious about that mm-hmm. but let me tell you some uh, experiences uh, for the beginning it's uh, ridiculous to think that we are just the only ones in the vast universe. You know, it's endless and it's, it's cyclical, it's growing in a cyclical way. So for us, even time is not linear, it's cyclical. And that's why uh, you brought the, the beautiful attention about the uh, moon, the moon, how it affects us and how uh, we take into consideration when we put the seeds, or when we cut the the palm, so it lasts more and it doesn't get uh, rotten in in short times. So that that's the ancestral wisdom that we have carried out and we have been uh, collecting for millennia and for centuries. So this traditional ecological knowledge. And even this spiritual touch is uh, is so important. Regarding the uh, other beings around uh, in the universe, you know, uh, we believe that there is an intelligence, there is presence everywhere in the universe mm. because there is energy. And uh, and the fact that uh, we here and and this uh, in this planet we honor the four sacred elements. You know, the fire, meaning the energies, uh, the the earth that we live with, and also the, the wind that we have to take, because otherwise we wouldn't be here, mm-hmm. and also the water. So for the beginning, those elements, also God's spirit, they, they are living beings. They are in movement. They are also in reciprocity with other among them. They are in, intertwined. Going to the presence of other beings in the universe, of course, uh, there's other ways of, endless ways of um, other elements could be in other dimensions. But, uh, you know, we honor, for example, the feather serpent as a special being. And this special being is uh, appears once in a while, according to our prophecies, uh, to uh, to bring that knowledge how to live in peace and harmony with nature, with Mother Earth and the celestial bodies. So this is a being that uh, in our our cosmologies, in our original thinking, is that he came or he has come at least four times, and uh, we are waiting for his fifth time from uh, 2026, because it's the almost the ending of the 13-year period after the last cycle of the big cycles of the Mayan calendar and the Aztec and the Toltecotomy calendar. So it, it means that we are in relationship with other beings from other dimensions, from other uh, universes, let's say, and uh, and it's very beautiful because, uh, as I said, we are not alone because they are 
our ancestors. So these beings are very powerful and they teach us how to live in responsibility and re in reciprocity for what give us life. And, uh, you know, when I was uh, growing up, uh, not just my grandfather, my, my father and my grandmother mm -hmm. used to tell me about these other beings that they, they would appear when there was uh, a need or, or there was something happening around. They would come and bring, uh, you know, solutions or some sort of uh, balance to the problems. So let me tell you something about that. Uh, I was like uh, 13 years old. And I was walking just by my community. And suddenly I, I was with my, uh, walking with my, my friends and suddenly we saw this, this uh, vehicle, kind of a uh, very fast saucer. Just uh, around 5 p.m. everything was clear. We could see, I thought it was a little kind of, uh, at that time there, there were no drones. Uh, kind of, it was kind of a little uh, game machine that we used to pull, and it was like a helicopter. Oh yeah, I remember. Mm -hmm. But it was not that. Mm. It was another, another uh, was an object, another flying object. So there's a lot to say about that. But uh, we saw that uh, it landed somewhere, and we wanted to go. We couldn't arrive because there was something that pulled the this thing uh, to the other other side and it went. It, it left. So that has happened in my life like uh, two other times. And <laughs> one of those times here in New York with my son, we saw a flying object up there. But uh, just here in, in the material, you know, it is mostly during the day. But I have seen many, many things during the night, just like lights. But uh, once I have seen other beings that they appear, they are very similar like us. Uh, uh, we have had so many experiences around that. So how come they appear when, uh, for example, a little house is, is closed, is locked with a, with a, you know, mm -hmm. it's locked completely. So we could see from the from one side because it was made with uh, this little hut was made with uh, wood. So we, you could see through. And there was this being, like a man, but uh, like a Hindu, you know, like a Sikh, mm -hmm. but quite different. Yeah, because he had the the eyes bright, very clear, like gray, bright. And uh, and that happened when I was growing up, when I was like uh, six, seven years old. And uh, I was together with my cousins. Uh, we used to go and take care of the cattle. And that happened. Mm. That happened. So, so we think we are alone, uh, some of us. We are not. There are many manifestations, many. In the book, you can read 
some of the most beautiful experiences that other people have uh, in the past have not shared, but they are sharing the book. Because when we talk about ancestors, it's because it's so important because thanks to them, we are here. And thanks to other forces and other beings that are, you know, affecting the, our presence here in this in this world, that's why we honor the unseen and that's the mystery. The, the great spirit has many manifestations. So you can call the great mystery as you wish, but there is the great mystery, the great spirit. Let's just uh, name us in other religions as you wish, but nobody can deny mm. that there is something else than just this life. Yeah. Mendahi Bastida is my guest. We are talking about the work that he is doing through another website that I think you're going to find fascinating. We're going to talk about that as we continue. The Fountain. And we hope that you will go there. Thefountain.earth. I am fascinated by the fact that they've kind of opened this whole thing up. It's no longer .com, .net, .org, .edu, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Now you can pretty much put anything you want at the end of, you know, with a dot, in this case, dot .earth. And I love it. And we'll continue talking with uh, Mendahi here on uh, Tell Me Your Story. I'm Richard Dugan, your host, and we are talking with... a. Uh, a gentleman who uh, has an extraordinary story to tell, and we're uh, certainly having him do that. And it's associated with the latest work that he has uh, put out for us to take a look at, Ancestors, Divine Remembrances of Lineage, Relations, and Sacred Sites. And the full scope of our ancestral legacy extends far beyond blood relations. Our families, family of origin uh, links us back to motherlands, that's plural. Uh, we inherit these territories and all sentient forms of life in these locales. And we're going to talk more about that. And uh, we've just been talking, of course, about this aspect of other intelligent life, although there are times, I'm sure, uh, Mendahi, that uh, <clears throat> when we take a look at mankind, humanity, humans, I'm not sure how intelligent we are and whether we should belong to that club because of the stupid things that we keep doing to one another and to ourselves and to the planet that we live on. I want to ask you um, about these sacred sites around the world. I was watching a documentary about the ley lines in terms of how these sacred sites, many of them, uh, starting, of course, with Stonehenge. There are certainly the pyramids uh, down. Uh, I've, I've actually been, uh, uh, and it's been, oh my gosh, 30 years since I was at the Tulum ruins on the Yucatan Peninsula. Uh, but it was still very fascinating. One of the thoughts that occurred to me was like, man, these, these spiritual folks always seem to get the best, best real estate because it was right there on the ocean. It was beautiful. <laughs> But let's talk about the connection between these sacred sites and that relevance to what we're talking about here when it comes to our ancestry. Yes, uh, you know, sacred sites are the energetic points in this planet. Very important points because they produce the energy that we need as beings, not just humans, plants and animals, they are producing these pulsations 
and they are those ley lines that are interconnected. For example, uh, one uh, of the most beautiful examples is the volcanoes. And we know, because we come from uh, uh, the volcano belt in Mexico, mm -hmm. that they are, they are very, very powerful. And we know that there are uh, some beings, some deities, some entities that dwell in those sacred places. So why uh, sacred places are so important? Because they are like antennas that in interconnect with other places so life is possible in this planet. Mm -hmm. It's like the pulse in places, like the heart in our bodies, like the, the stomach, the, you know, the, the system that we need to, to live in this world. Mm -hmm. So Mother Earth got also specific, specific places, mm -hmm. more powerful some than others, but a anywhere where you go, there are secret sites. Mm. So why do you yes? Mm. Why are they so important? And now you see like uh, some pyramids, they were built there because there is a manifestation of the one of the, or a mixed, or, but mostly one of the uh, four sacred elements. Even in, in the ancestral, uh, you know, churches in Europe, if you see underneath, it should have been a, a spring or some, a cave, sacred cave, or something that uh, there was a manifestation, a special manifestation of energy. So that's the reason they are so powerful. Mm. And when you enter there, you can distinguish that the energy is quite different. Mm. It's quite, uh, you know, you feel something. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's that's why that's why sacred sites are so important, yeah. and the ley lines are so uh, interconnected because it's like the circuits, it's like our, our veins in our body. Mm -hmm. We give that pulsation, that energy, so we can uh, thrive as as being as human beings and other other yeah. relatives. There's a, a, a sacred site, at least I like to think, it, think of it as a sacred site in Ireland. It's, uh, it's called Newgrange. Uh, it's a prehistoric, um, you, you could call it underground, because when you enter, uh, you do have to go down. It, it is a, a downward uh, uh, walk. Not a long one, but just, uh, and when you're inside, I, I had the great privilege in uh, 2004, it's been that long since I've been back to Ireland, and... Um, the best way that I, as a sound person, a broadcast producer, can describe the acoustics inside that chamber, uh, they were absolutely perfect. As far as my ear could pick up, it was just incredible. Now, at that time, they did not allow you to do any kind of audio or video recording of any kind, even just taking pictures. Uh, so apparently they've changed that rule. And supposedly it was out of respect for the ancestors who yes. put that there. Um, and I have to share with you this. <clears throat> you and I, we're connected because, and I did not know this until a few years ago, when I had my, uh, I had my DNA checked. You know, I submitted a swab to the company and everything. Yes. When I grew, was growing up in the Southwest, in Phoenix, Arizona in particular, I always wanted to stay away 
from the indigenous peoples and their their rituals and and their their uh, archives and 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 this and that and the other thing because I, I didn't think I had any business whatsoever. I was a white guy, you know. Mm-hmm. Turns out my DNA shows that I am uh, connected to both the North, Central, and South American uh, mm. native tribes, and so my desire to stay away. Mm-hmm. I'm now sort of being brought back into that to understand it. And so through you, I'm hoping to do that through this. So I wanted to ask you in regards to, and we're going to kind of go back to this whole issue of intelligent life. You referred to other beings living in these volcanoes. And I'm curious as to some of these sacred sites where beings might live, other intelligent life. Are we talking about physical uh, individuals w- with a physical body, or are we talking about uh, maybe uh, other dimensions where you have to maybe cross through some kind of a a portal, if you will, or threshold in order to maybe actually see them? Or uh, I don't know, maybe that would be dangerous for us as human beings. But I'm just curious about the aspect of, uh, again, other or interdimensional kinds of um, connections that we might have. Yes, uh, for the beginning, there are caretakers that are, uh, you know, uh, human beings. And they are uh, related to those places. For example, my one of my mentors, who is the caretaker of the Malinche volcano in the Tlaxcala state. But there are also entities and deities that dwell in those places. And, uh, you know, when we carry out the first phase, uh, to heal for the healing and balancing Mother Earth, because the sacred sites are in danger, you know, because of tourism, because of urine sprawl, because of uh, logging, uh, mining, and uh, oil, digging uh, oil, fossil fuels uh, to take away, and and now because of the so-called rare earths, because they have found out that around these sacred sites there are rare earths in many places mm. so that's why uh, they are in danger but when we went to japan to mount fuji that is in alignment with the with mount is in the same alignment with the mount shasta sorry uh, mount blanca and mount etna in italy mount blanca in the four corners area here in the united states mm-hmm. so we have gone to those three places but when we were over there with the Kogi uh, from Colombia and the Otomi Toltec from Mexico, we went to make some offerings and payments. We saw uh, during the spiritual consultations that the Fukushima problem, you know, the Fukushima problem that uh, about this nuclear uh, problem that arose uh, yeah. some years ago. Mm-hmm. So this, there, there are uh, two entities came out, some dragons, to handle this uh, problem that, uh, to support or to help for this problem to be less dangerous. Because human beings, uh, as you said, sometimes, I don't know, we are, so in- we are not so intelligent. <laughs> that is stupidity that we are producing in balance and uh, you know the 
crisis that we are living in, this systemic crisis. So that's why these entities came out. But most of the time, they dwell in another dimension. And that's why we have to acknowledge them, to ask for support, to ask for help. Mm-hmm. And that's why that's when sometimes they can materialize or they can be in, uh, present, like in the form of the wind, like in the form of, of uh, the rain, like in the form of thunderbolts. But sometimes, if you are prepared, you can see them. And sometimes there is people who have seen them, not just one, but uh, some people like like have various peoples together. That's why they are in our, our stories. And that's why they are uh, thought are, as ancestors, because those volcanoes are our ancestors as well. Mm. We are just a reflection of the, the soil. We are the reflection of the wind. We are the reflection of the fire ourselves as human beings. We are no more than that. Yeah. You know, I, I sometimes yeah. wonder when we call out for help, uh, whether, you know, as a Catholic, I call out to the saints, you know, the various angels or Mary or Jesus or God the Father, what have you. Uh, mm-hmm. I sometimes wonder... Um, when we don't seem to see a resolution to the problem we're calling out for help from uh, these others, that maybe there wasn't really a problem. You know, you in your own ego mind, your own personality think there's a problem. But if you were to step back and take another perspective, take another view, there really isn't a problem. You're making a problem. Uh, it has been said that we worry uh, 90, I think it's like 90% of what we worry about never happens. It never happens. I know that a lot of people in this country in particular, uh, as you sit there in New York, uh, are very concerned about the future of America, of the United States specifically. Uh, and um, my observation is that... Um, the the documents that we live by here in this country were intended for small communities like the 13 original colonies shall we say mm. 350 million people i'm not i'm not saying and again bear in mind I, this is just an observation folks i'm not saying mm. we do away with the constitution don't get me wrong what i'm saying is we maybe we want to take a look at that document and maybe begin to realize that um, it needs to be, and the provision is in there, amended, because it's not serving all the people, and that people are manipulating it, they're using it for their own selfish means, and that is not what we are about here on Tell Me Your Story, uh, Mindahi. We are about uh, looking for those new ways of living for everyone just look around. The always don't work. It's obvious. Look around. It's, it's you know, and I'm not saying that this is a horrible, awful, icky place. We need to get out of here. No. It's a beautiful place. It really is. But there's always, as you might agree, there's always room for improvement. 
Yes. I want to ask you, as we continue, um, I want to ask you about the aspect of nature. Uh, Mindahi uh, uh, Bastita is my guest. Ancestors is the title of his latest work uh, that we are talking about. And uh, that has to do, ladies and gentlemen, with divine remembrances of lineage, relations, and sacred sites. As we continue here on Tell Me Your Story, I'm Richard Dugan, your host and Mindahi Bastida is my guest. Uh, he's coming to us today uh, from New York, but he travels all over the world. Uh, you mentioned some of the other places that you're going to be going to uh, on your continued sojourn. Uh, I, d- <laughs> With all your traveling, do you have a home base? <laughs> <laughs> yes, in between Mexico, my community in central Mexico, in San Pedro de Peque, and also here in Manhattan. New York. Wonderful. Well, I tell you, uh, it is a beautiful thing um, to have community wherever you are. Uh, This really came to light for me when I was 21. And uh, I flew from Phoenix to Boise, Idaho, thinking that I was going to move there. I was there for a month and I was developing relationships with different people. And sort of cutting my ties. I'm 21 years old, cutting my ties from Phoenix. Not so much my family, my mother, father, and sisters, and brother. But just, you know, uh, I don't do business down there anymore. I've got to move all of that apparatus up here. This was long before the Internet. 1981. And I was there for a month. And when I came, when I eventually returned to Phoenix that month later, It took me six months to reestablish myself in spite of how large Phoenix is, even then, um, to reestablish myself and begin to recreate or uh, uh, reestablish the connections to the community that I had before I left. When we moved to Santa Barbara, I've been here 16 years. The community that I am connected with is large, it's vast, it's diverse. and yet, yet there are people who have lived here probably all their lives and they don't have anything like that. And it just seems to me that that is part of this conversation we're having is about cre- establishing community. Am I, am I missing it? No, you're, you're right. You know, we need to remember who we are and why we are here. Because if we don't know where, uh, who, uh, where we come from, we don't know who we are. That's the reason ancestors is very important. Our ancestors are, are watching us, are telling us, mm-hmm. hey, behave. Because, because you know, what is the, the mess we are living through in the world? And, and that's why um, I think it's so important to, uh, to honor the place where you are living. It, it, you know, and it's, it's very important to connect with the lineage and the ancestors of uh, where your parents were born, even if you have uh, European descendants, also connect with, the, with that, but also with your, uh, as you say, with your ancestors from South and Central America. Mm-hmm. It's important because uh, time and space is also very uh, meaningful because responsibility follows you wherever you go. Mm. And it doesn't matter if you are here or there, if you have moved to Santa Barbara and you find a beautiful place, but you also need to know what people were before there Mm -hmm. and what other uh, beings were there, other uh, plants and animals, 
So we need to honor the place uh, is embracing us. Yeah. Well, that brings me to uh, a major question that I, I ask of a lot of my guests. Uh-huh. I've come to the conclusion, and I'm going to share the conclusion I come have come to, and I would like for you to expand upon it, that nature is our greatest teacher. Yes. You know, ever since the beginning of the times, some of us, we have forgotten that we are nature. Hmm. And we can learn from each other, but especially, especially from the four sacred elements and the landscapes and the mindscapes that are around us. So that's why biocultural heritage is so important because we, can, we cannot do something, just something new from nowhere, from nothing. We have to relate what it has been done in the past so we don't make the, the mistakes that other people have done. And we need to honor the original instructions, the original principles, how we relate to nature. Because we are essentially nature, but uh, sometimes we, we think we are another, another thing. Yeah. And, and it, it's not true. That's a, big, that's, that's a big lie. We are just nature, and we need to be more humble in this world, in this world, and we need to behave mm. with other beings among us. I know that um, uh, there are those who like to use passages from one of the sacred, uh, from one of the ancient wisdom teachings, the Bible, uh, to say that you know we are here to subdue and subjugate the earth, and it's and all of these things. And I'm thinking, I don't think that's what that meant. Stewardship is not about subjugating. It's not about taking control. And you know, I mean, because now. Uh, now we're looking at uh, maybe sending out uh, spacecraft uh, to passing comets and meteors and so forth to mine them for some of the raw materials that we think, we think that we need here on Earth. You know, and we have no idea what we will be bringing back that could create uh, greater problems. I mean, and, and of course, I know you're familiar with this as well because you've lived here for quite a long time as well. Uh, yeah. There are questions right now about... Um, who in the Sam Hill released the monkeypox disease? And then, of course, before that, COVID or coronavirus, and before that, SARS, and before that, and before that, and before that. And, you know, I'm just sitting here thinking, you know, if somebody's doing that intentionally, there isn't much I can do about that. And if it's going to take me, okay, I, I'm, I, God, I hope I don't suffer, but I'm, I'm good with that. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go to the next world. Uh, and if necessary, start over. You know, from the standpoint of, or hopefully picking up where I left off. Now, that would be kind of nice, not have to start all over again. But um, a lot of folks get really tied up in the events that are happening in our world to the extent that, as you say, we forget that we are, we are nature. We are part of it. Uh, we are integrated into it. But we find these distractions. Would you think that our, do you think that our technology has well, for lack of a better word, has done us a disservice by virtue of the fact that as great as it is that you and I, here we are, we're communicating and having a wonderful conversation. I personally would prefer it in person, but hey, we're doing it via Zoom and it opens up some new opportunities for conversation with folks around the world. 
But at the same time, you hear a lot of people talking about, oh, God, I hate Zoom. I don't want to do another virtual meeting and all of those things. Yeah. And they're missing the blessings, if you will, uh, of of this technology. Talk to us a yeah. little bit about about your thoughts about integrating our technological world, uh, that part of our society, with the natural part of the world. Well, uh, you know, intention is always important to take into consideration because uh, technology is just uh, an instrument that could be used for good or for bad. Mm. You know, it depends how you use it. If we are using this technology to really bring up consciousness about how we are living in this world and that we are not doing well, so we need to really put that technology in service for the care of life. If there's technology that is killing us and is killing Mother Earth, then that's not a good thing. We need to get rid of that te technology, like, uh, you know, like the production of fossil fuels, because the Mother Earth is suffering and we are suffering from uh, sicknesses and so on and so forth. So the intention is vital in how we approach technology. The mm. Technology by itself, you know, is nothing, but it's how you, we use, how we approach technology. So, uh, for example, there's now technology that uh, can work and can support, can help us to solve the problem. It's just that the greedy people, they don't want to get rid of the other technologies that because it, there's more, um, you know, profit. Yeah. <laughs> and and that, that's, that's the problem. Yeah. But uh, in a world that uh, when you see we are at the verge of extinction in so, so many places, not just humans, but plants and animals, uh, we are suffering this massive extinction. I don't know if it's going to be uh, another era of extinction as such, but I know that there is a massive extinction. Yeah. I think that what is, is like uh, the, the sixth that's that's in in the line. There have been five before, and now we're sort of headed towards number six. Yes, but I don't know if it's going to be as such, as yeah. I tell you, as, as the sixth. I, I, what we know is that there is a massive extinction. Yeah. And, and, and it depends on us how we are going to do it, if we are going to make it. Or we are going to, it's like when we are flying, like my brother Kenki Tatane say, it depends on us how, if we were flying in a, in a you know, in an airplane, mm -hmm. how the, if we are going to land. If it's going to be a soft landing, a bumping landing, mm -hmm. or, or a crash land. Yeah. It depends on our behavior. So that's why uh, we need to recall ancestral wisdom. And we need to recall our ancestors because they can support us, they can help us. And with this, the help of technology, with this intention to recover dignity as human beings mm. and not to harm what gives us life, then we can make it. Mindahi Bastida is my guest, and uh, he is here with us talking about his latest work, Ancestors, here on Tell Me Your Story. I'm Richard Dugan, your host, and it's really a pleasure to have our guest uh, on the program today because... It's giving us an insight, I think, at least I hope it is for you folks, it is for me, in, uh, into 
uh, where we need to go next. And it's really funny. We're not necessarily referring to going into the past as much as reconnecting with our ancestors who are still, I hope I'm putting this in the right context, Amindeha, are still alive. They just aren't in a physical body. We can still That's communicate right. with them. We can still connect with them, right? That's right. That's right. And, and that's the reason we honor them. Uh, you know, in, in Mexico, we, we have, and in the Andes, in South America, and uh, in other places, we have this beautiful celebration for the dead, like the Dia de Muertos, the, the Day of the Dead. Yes. We honor, we bring uh, fruits and flowers and food and all of that so we can reconnect and connect at least once a year mm -hmm. but we are always always yeah. if we have something to uh, to get in touch with with them we always can uh, ask for support mm. and and that's the beauty of, of of this mystery because we are we are becoming ancestors for the future generations that yeah, yeah, absolutely right you're right so so this is a cyclical way of thinking and, uh, and that's why we need to honor. It's not to go to the past, but yes, acknowledge the past, the best of the past, the original instructions, the original principles, how to behave. But yeah. at this time, more than ever, we need to be more humble and just think that we are another species. No more, no less. We are not the peak of the creation. I'm sorry, but we are not the peak of the creation. Actually, we are, we are the problem but we can be the solution if we want. Yeah. If, if we not just think, but act with heart, think and act, feel and think, so we can come together. Mm -hmm. And for that, we need to come in unity, in this unification process, because competition is what is destroying life. We need collaboration. We need to come together in, in unity. Yeah. Uh, one of the words that a lot of people like to use these days in terms of uh, equity and, and unity and, and inclusion, they like to use the word tolerance. I don't like that word because the, in that word, there is judgment. You know, I'll tolerate you, Mendia. Yeah. OK, I'll tolerate you. Yes. And there's a judgment there. I say and again, when I say the, when I use the word accept or acceptance, I'm not saying that I necessarily 100 percent agree with you or necessarily agree with the way you're living your life. I'm just going to accept you for the human being that you are as a part of the same species that I'm a part of, who is here mm -hmm. to learn the lessons that I'm, that I'm here to learn, that you're here to learn. Okay? Yes. I don't yes. have to agree. And so I think that we need to change the word from tolerance to acceptance uh, from, from that standpoint. And, and to that degree... Do you think that that uh, what's been happening in this country, and it's, it's certainly been developing over the decades, but it sort of really mm -hmm. manifest itself in the last four, five, six years in this country specifically, but I know it's global too. Um, that that with what's going on on the outside, uh, in terms of the world, that's that's what's also going on on the inside of each one of us, in a manner of speaking. That struggle. Mm. Yes, uh, I completely agree with you about uh, those concepts, those uh, categories that just tell us just to live in on the surface and just to evade responsibilities. Mm -hmm. You know, because it's like like the word hope is the same like uh, tolerance. 
uh, hope is like uh, to to live in in action and just to wait and pray and pray is good is powerful is not enough we need to act mm -hmm. we need to go from mind to the to the action um about the care of life mm -hmm. so tolerance for example is in in my case is i prefer intercultural dialogue intercultural exchange so we have responsibility in that acceptance and to learn from each other yeah we have we must because we don't have any any other option when if we want to make it as human beings so that's, that's the reason uh, for example the the word hope is very beautiful yeah it's very beautiful but it's not enough not enough yeah <laughs> not enough yeah because uh, Sometimes people just think, oh, I hope this and I hope. No, we, we need to put action, action, the words into action. Otherwise, it's just, uh, you know, like like the word chilling. <laughs> yeah. It's good, but you you can chill when, when uh, uh, if you have done your work. <laughs> yeah, we got to do the work before we can chill, as it were. Uh, Mindahi... Bastida is my guest here on Tell Me Your Story. I'm Richard Dugan, your host, and uh, I have to um, uh, move into another area here. We promote on this program, have been since September of 2019. Uh, at that time, it was the year of perfect vision, the year being 2020. Well, when that year was over, we shifted to the decade of perfect vision, the 2020s, where we encouraged people to go within and listen to that still, small voice. Talk to us about the importance of going within, of developing that inner life and the interconnection with that still, small voice by whatever other name you wish to call it. Yes, uh, it's so important to dig in, in our thoughts, in, in our feelings, because if we, if you don't know yourself, how come you can share what you don't know? How come you can interact with others if you don't really appreciate your inner being? So uh, if we want to see the change outside, we begin with ourselves. We better be begin in inside our thoughts, but mm -hmm. also taking into consideration that we are given this matter, this body, it's a, it's a miracle. Yeah. But we need to take responsibility for what we eat. You know, what, mm -hmm. what we eat really give us also the strength so we can walk, we can see, we can act. And important as well is what we think. Because most of the times we just think rep repetitive thoughts and sometimes bad thoughts. Mm -hmm. And very, very few is beautiful thinking or, or good thoughts. So we need to train our minds to think beautifully, to think in clean ideas. Yeah. So we can act around clean ideas, clean actions. So that's why it has to, it has to do in a process of oneself, but also sharing with others. Because we are not alone. As I, as I told you uh, since the beginning, we also have, if we have a problem, others have a similar problems, so we can share and we can come together, learn from each other, so we can make it. Because in this kind of societies, it's so complex. 
and we think we are the only ones that are suffering from this or this other, you can you cannot imagine how much we we share those uh, common problems. Yeah. So we can really understand each other in such a way that we can make it together and, and heal together. Yeah, that's so important. It, it is so important. Uh, I, I've often looked at it from the standpoint of, of um, uh, the fact that we experience exactly the same emotions. Certainly, different intensities, granted, but they're still right. all the same emotions. It's those stories of, it's the stories that make us unique. It's the emotions that make us alike. And that's right. Until we start telling our story, whether on this program or otherwise, uh, and sharing our experiences, you're right. It's it's, and they say that uh, um, you've got to get it outside yourself in order to have, shall we say, that cathartic moment, uh, say of uh, of freedom from those uh, those uh, 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 memories and 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 the, and the emotions that may be holding you back from the relationship you want or the job that you want or where you'd really like to live you know and so on and so forth um, do you find that a lot of folks that are come that come to you are they, I mean I again I recognize that uh, people are drawn to you who are supposed to be drawn to you as far as a, a universal concept but at the same time, I just have to wonder sometimes if uh, there are a lot of people that they tend to they feel like they're lost. Uh, and I'm hoping that they're not coming to you so that you can find them. But hopefully they come to you so that you can maybe facilitate their finding themselves. That's that's correct, because, uh, you know, nobody can uh, fix the other one. But uh, the other one has to take responsibility for each one for mm -hmm. uh, you know for the individual but the individual cannot exist with, without the uh, the community so we are very blessed because we have that connection with others and uh, the concept of family is so important the concept of community mm -hmm. is so important because family is not just a, a blood lineage family is the ones who are around you and care about you and can give you support. That's family. And it's not just from the anthropocentric way of thinking. It, it, family is also a tree, it's a mountain, it's a river, it's a sky, it's the, the stars. They are family. That's the reason they are our ancestors because they are always with us. Yeah. So, so that's, that's more the, the expansion of this concept of family is beyond. So you create community with the seen and unseen. Yeah. And that's why it, this is very important. We are not alone. There's a beautiful line from a song. It goes, uh, uh, and my friends on the snow-covered hills. Next line. And my friends are the snow-covered hills. And... Um, we live here, and 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 I, I hear the the conversations, the arguments, the debates over climate change, and the science, and all of this stuff. And and I've I've said this on this program over and over again. I said, you know what? I'm throwing the science out. I don't care about the science. I have one question for you. Don't you think we should clean up our home? 
That's it. Don't you think we should clean up our home? That's right. That's right. And it's so... How, go ahead. How we produce, how we uh, consume, and how we relate to others. It's all about uh, uh, living in peace and harmony. But also, you know, now this, this fact of sustainable development or sustainability, that is like the key to live in, in more uh, balance, is not enough. We need to look for the good living, just to have access to clean water, to have ac access to clean air, have access to clean soils, because the air that produces the, the food is being poisoned for many years in some places, especially in these in, in this industrial countries, you know? Mm -hmm. And that's what we eat. So how are we going to be healthy in our mind if our bodies are also sick? So that's yeah. why it's so important, this interrelationship, how it, that's why it's so important to produce in clean ways and to think in clean ways and act in clean ways. So that's why this, uh, this thought, it seems that it's new, but it's not new, is based in the how the you know the relationship with nature and the the spirit is so important and we can learn that from the original nations and peoples mm. that still have that but they are also we also being in the, you know contaminated let's say or polluted by these other ideas by these other produce that is arriving to the even to the smallest community in the world you know it's it's interesting uh, that nowadays uh, and I'm not sure exactly when it started, but that people are have been, uh, maybe for the last few decades specifically, been more consciously aware of some of the things that they're doing. And they, they'll use the word, okay, is what I'm doing sustainable? Uh, is, is what I'm doing uh, complementary to uh, the earth as well as to the world and so forth? And one of the questions that I have asked over and over again, especially when it comes to technology that we talked about earlier, uh, regardless of what area, whether it be medicine or finance or what have you, is is um, just because we can, does that mean we should? Clone. Um, there's this technology called CRISPR where they can go into the DNA and, and re rearrange the chromosomes and this and that and the other thing to do away with certain diseases. And it's like, okay, but are you absolutely certain that there are no downsides when you change this? They don't know. They certainly don't know. And again, so then the question is, just because we can, does that mean we should? Um, that's, I, right. that's right. You know, one of the original principles that we have is precaution. You know, and when we, I, I was working with the International Institute for Sustainable Development, we were developing this uh, notion of science and precaution in, in this dialogue. Mm -hmm. But it's based in very ancestral times. Before you know the effects, sometimes maybe, sometimes negative effects. You have, you have to study, you have to be cautious about what you are going to implement. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, you can make a mess. Like uh, that has happened in, in, in some areas, you know, like uh, sometimes when uh, they use chemicals that they cannot uh, get rid of. Mm -hmm. 
you know, the, the tick problem is one of those, the tick problem, uh, the Borrella sickness. Yeah. Because they, they have put together in laboratory things that they have just uh, out of control. Yeah. Some of these problems. So you're right in the, you know, in the micro, in the nanotechnology that they are using to, to fix certain things. You're right. Uh, sometimes they don't know where, what is the, the side effects that could produce. Yeah. Not just in the body, but in the, in the thought, in the thinking, and also in the spirit, in the energy that we are related with mystery. Yeah. Who knows? Who knows? You know, I was talking with a, a chef who was also a cardiologist. And in our conversation, he said, this is regarding food specifically, it's not just what you eat in terms of, you know, where it comes from, how it's prepared, etc., etc. It's how you eat. It's where you eat. It's when you eat. It's who you eat with, etc., etc. So when we start taking all of that into consideration... When we start looking at that, we can begin to see how we, uh, how our, our faculties are functioning, our thought processes in terms of the people we surround ourselves with. And in my book, Choices, we talk about uh, uh, discernment. You have every right to surround yourself with the kinds of people who are not necessarily yes people that are going to agree with you, but at least they're not going to tear down your dreams. That is so important. Uh, you know, and just because you maybe thought through one particular idea that you thought might solve this problem or that problem or the other, and you began to realize, oh, wait a minute, here's the downside. All right, well, then collaborate. Maybe somebody can come up with a way to minimize or negate that downside to where, you know, uh, you know, I, I don't know if that's even possible 100%, but maybe you can reduce it down to 5% or 3% or what have you. I think about the, the, the arguments over, for example, wind and solar power. Well, you know, you got to have electricity in order to manufacture the parts. I said, yeah. And, uh, well, of course, in California, we know we, because it's more of a problem here in California, they complain about it. It's like, so how many days a year do you think we have sun here in California? Probably the majority, 300 to 320. I'm just, I'm just throwing out a number. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Seems to me like... That would be ideal. And placing wind farms uh, in, in uh, uh, um, hollows or, or valleys where the wind is always blowing. We've got places like that. Palm Springs, for example. There's a giant wind farm. There's a giant windmill farm. And I also heard, too, that this issue regarding the birds being killed by the blades, it's a misnomer. It's a myth. It doesn't happen, except extremely rarely. I, I think that one of the aspects of all of the th stuff that we're talking about here in terms of taking care of the earth is that we darn well better start taking care of ourselves mm -hmm. and then transferring that over to caring for. As I said before, you know, shouldn't we clean up our home? Let's clean up this home. Let's clean yes. up this home before Let's we... Clean. Yeah, yeah uh, you know... Because Mother Earth gives us so much, we need to reciprocate mm -hmm. what we are giving back. Because uh, sooner or later, you know, this uh, sacred economy is also 
working in the universe. Mm-hmm. So, uh, sooner or later, you, you have to pay back. You better pay with consciousness. Because we are receiving so much, we need to give back. Yeah. Otherwise, the debt, you know, the ecological debt that we have as human beings in this world is huge. Yeah. It's huge. Yeah. So, and we are delivering that debt for the future generations. Yeah. Well, there is and a universal... A universal law of uh, of exchange. There is always an exchange. Uh, for example, you cannot have a giver unless there is a receiver and vice versa. Well, but at the same time, as you just alluded to, you cannot extract from the universe, the earth, whatever, however you want to term it, mm-hmm. without there being... An equal exchange. Maybe Einstein did say it best. For every action, there is an equal and opposite reaction. Uh, it's just, that's a universal law, a principle that that we cannot yes. escape. We cannot escape. Uh, sooner or later, you are going to. We are always going to be uh, evaluated. You know, mm-hmm. as as uh, as individuals and also as community, as human community, because. What we are facing now is a human problem because mm. this anthrop- Anthropocene that uh, some ecologists have defined is that we are destroying what gives us life and we must change that. So ancestral wisdom and ancestors can support us in how to come back to the path that we need to walk together yeah. for the care of life, for the care of, of ourselves, beginning in ourselves as individuals. Mendaje Bastida is my guest, and uh, we're talking, uh, well, of course, about a lot of different things associated with ancestors. And we certainly hope that you will uh, um, get yourself a copy of Ancestors, Divine Remembrance of, uh, of Lineage, Relations, and Sacred Sites. And we talked a little bit about that earlier here on the program. And the program, of course, is Tell Me Your Story. I'm Richard Dugan, your host, and uh, Mendeja, uh, I want to I want to thank you so much for the time that you've given us today. I, I know that your schedule is uh, probably as tight as mine sometimes, uh, especially the fact that you're traveling around all the time. But at the same time, I would think that you schedule some downtime, some as the as the phrase goes, you you schedule for Mendeja, me time. Yes, uh, I like to really. You know, to continue this dialogue in some some time in the near future. So I'm so grateful that you have given me this uh, opportunity, and thanks to your audience, and thanks to the people that are opening their eyes and their hearts and their minds. So are coming together with it for the care of life and for the care of uh, the future generations to come. Thank you so much. You are very welcome. I do have three final questions that I like to ask all of my guests. And uh, before I do that, I would like to let you, the listener and the viewer, know that you are listening to and watching Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World, where we are giving you choices and knowledge of those choices to help make your dreams come true. We're here on Sundays at 7 a.m. and 7 p.m., Mondays at 1 a.m. and 9 a.m. on Wednesdays for the special edition of Tell Me Your Story, where we are streaming live at all of those times at richarddugan.com. We have podcasts that are on SoundCloud, iTunes, TuneIn. Radio, Spotify, Stitcher, Player FM, Blueberry, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, and many other locations. And 
as I said, you can watch these interviews on YouTube. Richard Dugan, tell me your story. Just go to YouTube and pop that into the search engine, and it'll take you to us, and you'll be able to uh, uh, see and hear uh, our guests as they converse with us here on the program about the various topics. And we ask you to uh, subscribe. Not because I'm interested. I, I matter of fact, I just had a uh, uh, an exchange on LinkedIn with a gentleman who went to my YouTube channel and he showed me all the problems that I have in terms of increasing my listenership. And I said, well, thank you, but no thank you. Uh, at this time, I'm not interested in cranking up the numbers as far as subscriptions. I'm at 85. Wonderful. Uh, we're at 87,000 plus listens since uh, January 1 of 2018. That's fantastic. The people who need to listen to this program and watch this program will. And they'll share the word and they'll spread the word. And uh, that's kind of my philosophy is if you're listening to it, if you're watching it and you're sharing it with others because you think it's valid and it's important, uh, then thank you for doing so. We also ask you to participate in the Decade of Perfect Vision, where uh, we ask you to go within and listen to that still small voice. And then, of course, if you'd like to support the work that we are doing, we would greatly appreciate any financial support you can give us. We have a PayPal account. It's there for your security as well as ours. All you have to do is put in my email address. So easy. Richard at RichardDugan.com. That's Richard at RichardDugan.com. And with all of that now behind us, we now move to uh, the three final questions. And I love asking each one of my guests because uh, I've had some of the most fascinating responses. Uh, and uh, so in this case, to our guest, my first question is, who is Mendeha Mendahi? I beg your pardon. Who is Mendahi Bastida? Well, Mendahi Bastida is a member of the Otomi Toltec peoples from central Mexico. And I'm a descendant of the, these peoples, and I'm so grateful to be here with all of you, but also a human being that uh, is connected with nature, is connected with uh, Mother Earth, and also with the original instructions and ancestral wisdom, so we can share this knowledge with uh, anybody who wants to listen. Thank you. What is it that you hope to or want to achieve through the work that you are doing now? I really want that everybody comes together and learn from each other because this is the time and the time is now, now to really recover our human dignity in front of other relatives, in front of life, in front of animals, species, minerals and other plants that are also meaningful for our life. And we recover that ancestral teachings so we can receive what we uh, need for uh, living and to thrive. Mm. I like the word thriving. Finally, what is your life's purpose? My life purpose is to really learn uh, other cosmologies, other teachings. So we become in a collaborative way that in that way, we can really make a better world, a world that was uh, not just given to us, that was provided to all beings, so we can interact in a beautiful way and we can approach the good living. That is the most beautiful thing that we can 
approach about having a chance to to really have access to clean water, clean energy, clean soils, and clean air. Hmm. That's the problem. Well, uh, Mendahi, I want to thank you again for giving us so much time here on the program. And we will get together again, I promise you. Uh, we'll stay in touch, uh, send you an email with some more dates and times so that we can continue this conversation. I think it's vital. And maybe we can even talk about some of the, uh, not only the other sacred sites, but also maybe some of the ceremonies that we might want to create in our own lives that will help us and ground us uh, to the earth and to who we really are. So again, I thank you so much. Thank you so much, uh, Richard. Um, it's a pleasure to be with you. Thank you. And I thank you for listening to and watching Tell Me Your Story, New Paradigms for a New World, as we're giving you choices and knowledge of those choices to help make your dreams come true. Until our next broadcast, podcast, videocast, love to Lal and to one of my ancestors, if you will, my late sister who passed back in March, Jeanette, I am listening.